Hi, this is uh, Park Sam. Welcome to this uh, webinar where we're looking at residency and domicile for nomads, looking how to protect the lifestyle and, and, and what you've got uh, into uh, a zero tax environment on income and gains uh, when you want to re work remotely, possibly in one location, but maybe in more locations around the world. Uh, and how can you do that to protect yourself and your family and your earnings over your career uh, to, to not get taxed at a later date uh, when some unforeseen or should be foreseen circumstance comes up. So let's dive right into it. I'm going to cover it three areas. We're going to look at residence uh, and then the travel arrangements on visas and travel authorities. Uh, and then we'll look a bit more in domicile and then we'll follow that up with some specific non-dom examples where expats uh, working as nomads can really thrive. So let's dive right into it. <clears throat> you can be resident in a country without being tax resident and that's absolutely fine. And you're not gonna incur a tax liability or get, leave yourself open to any negative uh, repercussions uh, by uh, living in a place for a period of time. International law uh, allows for a set uh, of standard rules regarding uh, visas and immigration, but individual countries can amend those uh, within those norms as suits themselves. And each country is different, and, and this is always uh, something that you need to consider. Generally, under international law, 90 days of free travel for short business or holiday trips is allowed. So if you've got an overseas property, uh, you can uh, rent it out to visitors for 90 days at a time for them to go and live and work abroad. And for most countries, that's possible without any complication, uh, a 90 day stay. Vis-a-vis, uh, you, you could rent uh, a, a place for three months uh, and uh, in an overseas location and use that as a working base for that period of time as well. Um, but then uh, the complications come in and, th and there's two or three different ways to, to look at it. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the 90 the day international standard is something of uh, a norm. Uh, if you do need a visa uh, before that, well that's uh, particularly, you've got to look country by country basis. More information and guidance, Contact us at productpartnership.com and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to, to stay in touch with, with developments. The, with, with 90 days, it, it, it applies in different ways in different countries. So let's have a look at America first. In the USA, you can enter without a visa, assuming you're coming from a visa-free country, at UK expats, that includes most European countries, you can enter the USA without a visa for 90 days, short-term um, business or, or family trip. That can be to live in your holiday home or it could be to uh, rent somebody else's and work as a nomad uh, without being a, a tax resident. Uh, the Americans would then insist that if you want to stay more than 90 days, you have to have uh, a, a, another um, a visa for that longer period. Now, a visa is something where it gives you permission to stay beyond that 90 days, possibly beyond uh, six months and, and possibly longer. 
Um, but to stay more than 90 days in the USA, you do need a visa. However, if you leave the USA, you can go back and there's no predetermined times. So you could go back after a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and have another 90 day period. As long as you don't stay in the States for more than 90 days, at more than 180 days in a year, you won't become tax resident. Let's compare that with the Schengen zone at the other extreme. Uh, with the Schengen zone, they're, they're very, very clear. You're allowed to visit any Schengen zone country for 90 days, um, as many trips as you like, within a six within a six month period, within that 180 days. Okay, but it's only 90 days in 180. Um, so you you can't um, have a 90 day trip uh, to Portugal, leave for a week, and go back. Uh, to have another 90 days in, the in, in Portugal. You could do it in another country within the Schengen zone um, uh, due to certain constrictions. So this is a big constriction that, that predominantly exists in the EU with the Schengen zone. Let's compare that with the UK and Commonwealth countries. So the UK just left the, U uh, the EU, left Brexit in the last year or two and is trying to settle down after that. Um, generally, the UK, uh, uh, if you don't need a visa, you can travel to the UK freely without uh, for 90 days for that holiday or short business trip. Um, now, you could be coming from a visa country, in which case you need a visa, but a lot of countries, UK has got one of the most non-visa uh, arrangements with different countries uh, around the world. So there's a, lot, a lot of people can come to the UK for 90 days without a visa and stay. The laws are different in the Britain and Commonwealth countries in that um, you can stay for up to 180 days in a block. And this applies to Commonwealth countries as well. So it could apply also to uh, uh, New Zealand, for example, or it could apply to uh, Cyprus, um, or it could apply to uh, Ireland. So within within uh, Commonwealth countries, uh, the 90 day rule applies, but generally you can still spend up to 180 days in a block in that country. Now you might need a, a visa uh, in terms of circumstances, uh, but for a longer term residence, that, that is possible. But again, the proviso that if you stay more than six months, more than 183 days, you do become uh, a, a tax resident. So there's a different type of rules, a different type of environments, and, and all something to consider. If you want more information and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com and we offer a free review and, and guidance to all new inquiries that we receive. Contact us at productpartnership.com and stay subscribed to our YouTube channel, share it with others and, and spread the word. We appreciate that. Thanks very much for listening. Let's go along and look at something that's developed over the last 20 years. It's not a visa, it's an electronic travel authorization. Now, what's the difference between electronic travel authorization and a visa? Exactly, I don't think there's much difference at all. However, they are what they are. So first they came in in America 
now that in many other countries around the world have been introduced in the EU uh, and under the Schengen zone rules. Uh, but in other countries like New Zealand and Australia, they, they will be apply there as well, each with a slightly different rule depending upon the trading area or the uh, the, 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 the country in which you're traveling to. So with the USA, any trip to the USA requires uh, an electronic travel authorization. And um, whether you need a visa or not, you always need electronic travel authorization. If you've got a visa to enter, your visa could be an open visa allowing multiple travels. You need the electronic travel authority to go in there. So with America, you can get one for just a specific trip, or you can get one to cover uh, a, a longer period of, say, two years um, for multiple trips. Uh, the principle of the 90-day trip at the time still applies, but you could get an electronic travel authority which allows multiple trips in of 90 days each. So as, as I suggest, it's not much different to, to, to a visa. Uh, if you consider... Uh, New Zealand, the, the, the electronic travel authority there um, would uh, not only allow you to travel for the 90 days, but you could travel in twice. And so you could spend um, uh, up to six months, 180 days a year in the country on the electric, electronic travel uh, authority. So it's almost like they've not introduced a visa system for everybody, but in effect, it's it's a six-month visa where you can go to the country and spend six months in the country on the electronic travel authority, even though you don't need a visa, but it does give you that, that freedom to stay for that longer period of time. Countries like Australia, with electronic travel authority, would still limit you to the 90 days, and in the EU, uh, absolutely. and And you need to bear in mind that in the EU Schengen zone, they are applying the 90-day uh, the rule for that Schengen zone. Um, we'll, look, we'll look a bit more on the Schengen zone uh, later, but the, the, the principle is the big distinct difference with the Schengen zone is that it's 90 days in 180. It's 90 days in a country in 180 days. So if you've got the freedom to travel to any country, uh, within the EU Schengen zone, um, you can travel to that country for 90 days in in that um, uh, in in a, a six-month period, as many times as you like. We've got more. If you want more help and guidance on how electronic travel authorities can help you circumvent the system and enjoy your residence without being a tax resident. Uh, contact us at proactpartnership.com. It's important to remember with electronic travel authorities, you are giving facial recognition, possibly iris re recognition, your passport number, your address, your contact details, where you're staying, where you're from, uh, electronically to another government. And therefore, they know where you are and they can track your movement inside and out. And with the EU now, at their border crossings, at ports and airports, um, you, you are scanned uh, with the facial recognition, fingerprints as well, and and that goes into a system. And the, the machines now, with the uh, regulation, 
that's being brought in post-Brexit and with the regulation uh, to upgrade the visa Schengen zone system, um, that, that machine will monitor how long you've been in the country. So when you're, you're coming in or going out, it's counting how many days you've spent in the country. So if you're coming back into a country uh, where you've already topped up your 90 days in six months, you potentially are going to get stopped. Now, lots of gray areas there. Once you're within the Schengen zone, you can travel around freely if you've got an EU permit to do that. But you don't necessarily have that if you're not a, a, an EU citizen. Even EU citizens have to get residency permits if they're in another jurisdiction, um, uh, which is a part of the exchange of information for tax residency. So it, it is a quite a complex area with the Schengen zone. If you're non-EU, like the British now, going into the EU and you get a Schengen zone visa, you get it for a longer period of time, say two years for multiple entry, but it's still 90 days in any one country in a six month period. If you've got a residency permit as an EU expat in, in a EU country, it's still only a freedom of movement between that country and the UK. So if you're an expat with a, a residency permit in Cyprus or Portugal or Spain, UK expat, you've got freedom of movement, you haven't got a Schengen zone restriction of, of 90 days and 180 um, between the UK and your EU country of residence, but you still have the Schengen zone res restriction in every other EU countries. And just to clarify, the EU Schengen zone is most of the EU countries, plus Switzerland, Iceland, Norway, and Liechtenstein. It doesn't include, at the moment, um, Ireland, who have not applied to and not intending to join the Schengen zone, Croatia, Romania, or Bulgaria, or Cyprus. Uh, Croatia, uh, Bulgaria, Romania are pushing to get uh, inducted in the next few months. To, at the start of 2023, Cyprus has got longer term issues, but they are in effect applying Schengen rules as it stands at the moment, even though they're not officially in, in, the, in that border system. For more information on Schengen zone, EU after Brexit for residency permits, contact us at partnership.com. Let's move on now to look at tax residents. Um, there are some countries like Portugal, for example, uh, where if you spend more than six months in the country in a year, you'll be deemed tax resident. Even so, if you spend more than six months in a country in a year, you are tax resident, uh, you've got a liability. Uh, if you um, uh, have a special visa, you can have a visa which allows you, um, by reason of a, a particular work project, a student project or a travel project, they, they can allow you a, a longer term, six, nine, 12 months uh, uh, visa to travel to the country with limitations that would specifically exclude you from getting into tax residence, but that's upon your specific nature. But generally, if you're a nomad and you, you're looking to uh, move and work, then if you spend more than six months in one country, then you, you could become tax resident and liable in that country. You look at the famous uh, Indonesian Bali, they don't issue visas for longer than 
180 days for longer than six months of a year because they don't want long-term residents. Now, they may that may be flouted at the border, it may be flouted with the state, but technically you're not tax resident in Indonesia. Therefore, your tax residence is, is a different question. So what, it, what is your tax resident uh, as a nomad? Um, that, that depends upon your, your domicile and it depends upon where you're ta less tax resident. So if you're an expat, and, and, and you have moved from your home country to another country to become a, a tax resident, that will remain with you until you become tax resident somewhere else. So if, um, if somebody from France goes to Bali to, to work as a nomad and, and then uh, moves to other locations but never puts down proper... Um, uh, routes and doesn't become a, a tax resident technically there's still a tax resident of France um, if you travel the states and live in the states then uh, as a UK tax resident and don't become a, a tax resident there you're still a tax resident in the UK so th there's a long reach in terms of tax residency whatever your tax residency is it doesn't change until you become a tax resident somewhere else which is generally if you uh, live in that country for more than one, eight, three days. So again, if we look at our instance where we've got expats that might have holiday homes or in different locations or, or yachts um, or businesses across border, um, you, you can spend time in those other locations and, and uh, your tax residence is only going to change when, when all the circumstances change. For a start, there has to be a double taxation treaty between your home country and the country that you, you want to be tax resident with. It's no good becoming a tax resident in another jurisdiction if there's a, a double taxation treaty between that and the country which you were previously a tax resident in. You will remain a tax resident where you are. Um, so you, you need to find a, a location, a base for you as an individual to be a tax resident. Um, with a double taxation treaty that, that can protect you from your home country and from the, the country where you, you were previously tax resident. For more information and guidance on tax residency, contact us at propartnership.com and, and watch our uh, tax residency and residency series uh, on our YouTube channel, Living and Working Abroad. So subscribe below and then go and explore the channel. Please chat and let us know. Um, uh, how that's going. Uh, thanks, Steve, for, for popping in. Um, looking at your question now, you're saying if you spend less than 16 days in the UK, you won't be tax resident in the UK or anywhere. If you're not chosen anywhere else as a nomad. Uh, well, that depends. If you spend less than 16 days in the UK, you're automatically non-resident. Correct. Now, but... And we come to the next part of our talk. If you are domiciled in the UK, if your domicile of origin is the UK and it's not changed, then that is your default tax residency. And you have to be tax resident somewhere. Now, the compliance on this is, is picking up. Um, but you will know that when you're renting property, when you're opening a bank account, a savings account, starting an employment, uh, everybody wants your tax number. Everybody wants your address. 
you have to do your, your name and address ID. Uh, if you're running a business, if, if you're operating a bank account, if you've got any savings or rental, then, uh, or, or if you own property or business, that, that there's a tax record that's being created. And under exchange of information, the, the information is going to go from wherever you have got a bank account, a savings account, a business, uh, or property rental being operated, it's going to go back uh, to your country of nationality. So if you're living in the EU and you've got a, a UK expat and you've got that UK ID, marvellous, fantastic, thanks very much. Uh, except that when you go to the bank, they're still asking you. When you go to the immigration, when you go to the tax, they want to know your passport number for your home country citizenship as well as uh, your ID for the EU country. And, and that triggers an exchange of information between the two jurisdictions. Uh, if you've got a bank account in Panama, as, as people found out recently with the Panama Papers, um, and they've identified the beneficiary of that bank account, their nationality, their passport, their, their tax number, this exchange of information between Panama and all the other jurisdictions. In the old world, that exchange of information didn't necessarily get on, but it does happen now. And, and that is the danger for, for somebody who's operating as a nomad. So if your domicile of origin and your domicile hasn't changed, then you're potentially liable to tax residents um, uh, on your worldwide income. Now, when you're working as a nomad, the tax authorities might not catch up with you. And then that depends uh, on your chances. But if you own a property and you sell that property at some point, or you own a business and you trade that business, or you register for VAT, or, you, or you've got corporation tax returns to do, uh, as a beneficial owner of any investment, uh, any trust, any uh, business, any property, is all being registered now. That beneficial ownership register spreading around the world. And, and then that's another way that the tax authorities exchange information uh, to, to let them know. Doesn't mean that there's not uh, a, a company formation that you can't create with a 0% tax. It doesn't mean that there's not countries where you can have a zero tax resident uh, or where you can have a beneficial tax resident but you have to do it in a way that, that, that is legal at the moment. So the way that uh, a big global companies do is that they have holding companies that, that invoice out to take profit out of high tax countries and put into low tax countries. So a lot of um, American companies like to have a, an EU base in somewhere like uh, Ireland, which have got a, a relatively low corporation tax rate of 15% compared to some of the higher corporation tax countries like, like Germany. So it, it, it is something to consider. If you want more information and guidance, contact us at productpartnership.com and we'd we'll be happy to help you. We offer a free review. Uh, thanks for your question, Steve. Um, great surname. Let's consider domicile of choice. If you're an expat long-term, then you can choose a domicile. Now, the, you can pay a lot of money to try and prove this sooner. Um, but if you look at it, uh, an expat going to live and work in the UK, if you go to live and work in the UK, your uh, 
you can be, and you're not from the UK, you can be non-domicile. Now for seven years, that means that you, you can choose not to pay tax on your worldwide earnings. Now there are some restrictions in the UK, but if, if you've got business interest overseas and income being earned overseas, you can live in the UK as a tax resident and only pay tax on income and capital gains arising in the UK. So that non-DOM tax status can allow you to earn dividends or, or uh, other income from abroad and, and not pay tax. Um, but if your domicile of origin is the UK, uh, you can't do that. Um, you, you've got to be wary of what the UK rules are. Uh, the non-DOM expat after seven years then has to pay an annual charge of about £30,000. Uh, but if your earnings are enough overseas, that can still be a tax efficient way of, of operating. After 15 years in the UK, uh, an expat will be deemed to be non-domicile in the UK. So after 15 years in the UK, an expat will be deemed to be domicile in the UK and therefore subject to full UK taxes on, on their income, as well as um, worldwide capital gains and inheritance tax at 40%. So the non-DOM uh, status can work very well. In Cyprus, um, for 17 out of uh, 20 years, an expat can uh, be based in Cyprus and uh, pay zero tax on dividends and on interest from, from business, arising from business deals. That can be quite attractive in itself, but more than that, if an expat who's a Cyprus tax resident works abroad for more than 90 days, abroad from Cyprus for more than 90 days, they only pay uh, tax on a remittance basis. So uh, an expat tax resident of Cyprus who works abroad in the Middle East, Africa, Asia, uh, only pays tax on the income that they bring into Cyprus. So if you've got a, a zero tax regime, you could be Cyprus based and do your contract work elsewhere. And, and only be paying uh, tax on the income that you bring into to Cyprus. And better still, Cyprus also offer a 60-day offer. Uh, this is where you can be, um, you only have to be in country for 60 days. Remember we said earlier that they, are, they measure how long you're in country. Um, so you can have a tax residence in Cyprus, um, be only spend 60 days in the country a year, spend the rest of the year uh, working abroad or traveling abroad as a nomad um, and, and then enjoy 0% dividend tax, uh, interest tax and zero, no tax on income that's not remitted into Cyprus. So if you're working remotely and you're working in as a nomad in um, three different countries around the world plus Cyprus, um, and that income is not being put into a Cyprus bank account or emitted into Cyprus, then in, in that instance, you could be paying no tax on your income. For more information and guidance on being based in Cyprus as a nomad, contact us at productpartnership.com, subscribe and watch our other YouTubes on, on this topic. Another big factor for expats uh, to consider uh, regarding their residence in, in domicile uh, uh, when they're living and working abroad and remote working as, as a nomad is inheritance tax and capital gains. Um, 
there may be some budgetary changes and things do change from time to time. But generally, if you're UK domiciled and you die, uh, you've got a liability to 40% inheritance tax. Sorry, can I come back to that? Steve's asking another question. Hi, Steve. How soon can you get proof of that tax 60-day residence in Cyprus? I'm not sure what you mean by proof. It is a certified status. So uh, to get 60-day uh, residency in Cyprus, it is, it is the law. So we, we can show you the law uh, where it's written down. To get it, uh, there's certain steps that you need to go through to get the 60-day residency um, uh, uh, permit. You, you have to have a residency permit uh, to live in Cyprus. Uh, which is possible you have to be able to show that you've got around a thousand euros of income uh, to support yourself from your business as a minimum uh, you have to have a, a private medical to start with um, but you do have to pay uh, as a contractor uh, a minimum amount of social insurance so just have that in mind but the good news is it then gives you state health care uh, in cyprus if, if you ever need it uh, with an EU health card, if you need that as well, if, if traveling around the EU. So you have to get the residency permit, then you to get the tax number, and then you can get the non-DOM residency status, um, establish your contracts working abroad, and, and then apply for the certificate. That might take the whole of the tax year to get that, that together, uh, but as long as we tick all the boxes with our clients at the outset before we start the work together we can be assured that when we do the tax return at the end of the year to meet the criteria uh, and, and we in cyprus that tax return is assessed and it is uh, a zero tax liability so it's not uh, that there's no tax it's that there's zero tax and therefore you haven't got uh, your home country your domicile country or your last tax return country able to claim tax from you uh, for that status. Hope that helps, Steve. I'm just going to go on to a slightly different topic where we're going to say with domicile, if your domicile of origin potentially ties you for inheritance tax, and for UK expats, inheritance tax is 40%. So even if you've got a, a holiday home in Florida, Portugal, Spain, Cyprus, uh, France, um, and you've got a business that, that's working around the world, if you've got a UK domicile, that worldwide asset base is liable to inheritance tax at uh, 40% in the UK uh, on your death. Um, now, uh, it, there has to be an assessment for that, there has to be an exchange of information for that. And obviously, if you've got no ties to the UK at all, it may well be that there never be that assessment and, and, and they may never find out. Um, in the past, that type of discrete planning did, did work. Um, but if you've got any foothold, any UK property, um, UK business um, or UK family, uh, th those ties will give you that tax footprint. Um, and it might be as simple as, as your state pension, for example. Uh, the fact that you get a state pension while you're an expat living and working abroad, that stops when you die. So that gives them the trigger to go searching to see if there's an inheritance tax uh, liability. If you lived and worked abroad for more than 20 years, 
there's a high probability that your domicile, you can easily claim on death that you're no longer domiciled in the UK, in which case it's not an issue. Uh, but uh, expats who spent less time abroad uh, and or, or gone back to the UK uh, in chunks and periods could easily be tied down to that at some time in the future. So that ends uh, our go at today. Residency in domicile uh, as a nomad living and working abroad. It can work. Uh, you need to protect yourself. If you own property, if you own a business, if you own a bank account or savings, um, at some point in the future, uh, even crypto as well, don't forget crypto is, is a capital gains event each time it's disposed of. All these things are reported and all these things go back into the tax system. So it's an information. So that there's always this potential that at some point in the future, you've got this liability where you're going to get uh, a tax assessment. And it could be after uh, many years, uh, 5, 10, 20, 40 years as a nomad, you, you go back home, uh, maybe in your coffin, maybe uh, with your ashes, and you're still going to get this uh, wretched inheritance tax liability, whether they find out through a state pension or whether they find out through anything else. And so it's better to plan ahead. What we find is that using um, a family trust, uh, a corporation foundation, you can protect the capital assets, still enjoy the income benefits uh, uh, for many years and accumulate capital and funds for yourself, uh, for, for your future benefit, for you and your family. Um, a nomad lifestyle can work and you can get zero tax but you need to be aware of what your tax residency is and what your liability is. Your home country has always got that tie on you. So let's make sure that we can protect that. Using a trust, a company, uh, as well as individuals, you can create different tax entities in different locations, which allows you to create a flow of money to take uh, capital and income from high to low tax jurisdictions and, and technically technically pay not very much at all thanks for listening should subscribe share tell the world uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time oh next time i forgot to say that uh, next wednesday's webinar which we're more likely to be on time uh, we, we showed you them for um, uh, 11 o'clock uk time and uh, london time um, next week we're going to cover um, uh, the, the effects of medical cover um, with uh, residency and EU Brexit. So uh, within the EU, there's a common health and social insurance system. Uh, with Brexit, the UK come outside that. So what? How do? How impact? How are expats impacted now, going into the UK and coming out of the UK in terms of medical cover uh, for their family that remain, for their family that travel. So we're going to have a look at that in more detail um, next time. Thanks very much for listening um, and uh, we'll see you again next time.